welcome to my podcast. I'm Stephen Perkins. Thanks so much for joining. I know it's been a while, uh, which, you know, for some people, it's probably been nice to not hear my voice um, in the midst of all the other voices that are happening in this year. But now that things have calmed down, maybe it's time for me to come back and insert some of my terrible opinions and, uh, and really problematic thoughts. I do just want to say this. I want to say this. I don't know who schedules final exams. I don't know who's in charge at a university typically, but I think that that person suffers from mental issues. I think that they have severe uh, possible parental issues from their past. I think maybe they were hurt as children, or they are the unbearable type of morning person who thinks that everyone else can somehow function in the morning. I take a 10 a.m. class specifically for the purpose of not waking up before 8 a.m., um, which might change next year. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But so I want to share this story with you. I, I have this final scheduled for eight in the morning, eight in the morning, which I don't even think is a real time that people do things. Um, so eight in the morning, it's a sociology class, which is already just a terrible subject. Um, the only thing that keeps it going is a professor who's kind of like Kevin Hart a little bit. Um, but, uh, so, so I, I, here I am 8am in the morning. I wake up at like 7:35. I'm actually running late. I should be in the car and on the way by then. Um, so I throw on just the shabbiest clothes, uh, that I have and a hat to hide the shame. And, uh, and, and I rush towards school. I almost get in two wrecks because apparently people don't understand the concept of when I'm driving, I have a place to be and they uh, should not exist within my realm of existence. And so understand it's a very hard concept, but I almost got in a wreck twice. I finally pull in. I find this sweet spot in the parking garage, which never happens. So I do think that the Lord is, you know, somewhat on my side. I rush to class. I'm actually... Looks like I'll make it. I get there at 7.59. I open the door to what I was going to assume would be a, a, a room full of people moaning at the impending doom that they're about to face with the failure of exams that they're about to take. Uh, and I see roughly 12 people. It's a class of 125 and I see 12 people at 8 a.m. on the day of our final. So I start thinking, first of all, what the frick is going on? And why is there no one here? Very peculiar. Uh, and though I, so I sit down, the person in front of me, who, by the way, is a guy wearing Lululemon. And I'm not one to judge, but I don't think you should wear Lululemon as a, a man. Or maybe it's Lululemon. I don't know. I don't know how they pronounce that. Either way, it was uh, it was startling. Uh, he was on his laptop, just checking Yahoo, which apparently people still do. Uh, and and I was I wasn't going to ask anyone like what our finals at eight a.m. What's the deal? Because I don't like talking to people. Um, and uh, and so eight oh five rolls around, eight fifteen rolls around. I finally figure I maybe the like the professor's not even here maybe uh maybe this is just like a thing like we maybe we're doing the final late so the professor shows up at 8 30 30 minutes after we were supposed to start uh and we end up we end up starting the final at 8 45 so i could have showed up a whole 45 minutes quote unquote late and i still would have been able to take that damn final um You'll be happy to know I did pass. So one step closer to getting out. Anyways, it, it, it's good to be back. Um, so appreciative of you tuning in and whatnot. Um, have a couple of things I want to talk about today. I want to talk about Donald Trump, uh, the human Cheeto that somehow won election. I have not had a podcast since he won the election. I'll share with you what happened on election night for me uh, and my liver and, uh, and then we'll kind of talk about some of the appointments that he made because they're deeply troubling, mainly because none of them are Mitt Romney um, or any of my favorite Mormon politicians, which is, is quite sad. Uh, and then I want to talk about 2017 because now that 2016 is effectively behind us, we have a, only have a couple more weeks. Um, you know, this was a year that was just plagued by the killing of an innocent gorilla. 
Uh, we had the election of the Orange Cheeto. We had all all sorts of just terrible. Th- like, name, tell me someone who enjoyed everything that happened in 2016, except for Satan, and 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 I will show you a liar, um, which Satan also is, shall I say? So Donald Trump was elected. Um, my plan was to watch Anderson Cooper all night for the election. Because Anderson Cooper, apart from being a silver fox, is just a great human uh, who who really does a really great uh, uh, New Year's uh, coverage. If if you've ever watched him uh, do the coverage of the uh, the dropping ball, uh, his expertise. And what I would say is that you know it's it, it's right. It's like him, but Wolf Blitzer is the main guy on scene, and Wolf Blitzer scares children. Um, he's, I think, the main reason we have low voter participation among millennials is because he's such a scary person and they don't want to see him relay the information of how they voted, uh, which I understand. But anyway, so so election night, I, I have I have two friends over. Uh, we had um, we, we had wings, uh, which I opt for boneless wings, by the way, which I understand is just a glorified chicken nugget. Uh, but I, I'm really not into foods that you have to work and get messy with uh, the lowest I'll go is crawfish, but that's just because it's usually, um, you know, it's like what else are you going to do in the summer than eat uh, things that dwell um, in mud? So we had we had wings and I had wine. Uh, correction, I had two on reserve two bottles um, of red wine because you know how else would I how else would I spend the election? Uh, and so, so we were watching and the results came in. It was about like eight 30 and you could tell like people on CNN were getting very anxious and they thought, Oh my God, like this is not turning out the way we thought. We saw some of those East coast States come in. It looked like Trump was actually going to win Florida and it looked like he was doing well in Pennsylvania. And I think I tweeted like, Oh my God, he might, you know, he might win this. Uh, it, it was a very weird thing. Um, and turns out he ended up winning, but I didn't find out until five in the morning because apparently after a bottle and after a bottle and a half of wine news to me, uh, you get kind of not drowsy, but you kind of, it's hard to stay awake, you know? So yeah, I passed out, uh, and I woke up at about five 30 in the morning and uh, my friends were asleep in the other room, and I, I was I was in my room, um, and I just I remember I woke up, I saw the time, I was like, oh my god, this is weird. How did I get in the bed? Okay, so I go on Twitter, which is not the place that you should be at five thirty in the morning, because what in the hell are people going to tweet at five thirty in the morning that you need to know? But at that point, I needed to know some stuff, so I went on Twitter. I saw the words Donald Trump and wins and projected president-elect and Hillary Clinton loses, and I freak out because that is not what I was expecting. I didn't want Hillary to win either, but I was not expecting a Donald Trump win, uh, and so I, I thought that that was very odd, um, and that's when I let out some expletives at 5.30 in the morning, woke my friends up. Um, and, uh, and we had a quick little debrief about what happened the night before. So now we find ourselves in a situation where just this morning, um, as of today's December the 13th, a lovely Tuesday, um, we now live in a world where Kanye West goes and meets with the president-elect Donald Trump. Which when I saw that tweet this morning, I was shocked. Or as I, as I'm told, the kids say now shook is a word. Appar- I, I I'm not. I haven't verified it, but uh, it wasn't a dope feeling, if you will. And uh, and and so 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 now we have Donald Trump meeting with Kanye West. We have Donald Trump meeting with Mitt Romney, who effectively called him out uh, ever since March or or February or March early on in the year. And it's been a whirlwind of emotions. So. First, let's touch on the Mitt Romney thing. First of all, Mitt Romney will not be our next Secretary of State. It'll be Rex Tillerson. First of all, his name is Rex. Second of all, his name is not Mitt Romney. Third of all, he's the CEO of ExxonMobil. What a great Secretary of, of State pick. I'm disgusted. 
I think that I don't think Mitt Romney's perfect, but I think he would have been far better for the job than almost anyone. Mitt Romney has an ability um, to advocate for American ideas and American principles and American values um, more articulate, articulately, yeah, than uh, than anyone else can. Um, and especially compared to these other contenders for Secretary of State, of, of which Rex was not one of them, um, he, he kind of popped up out of nowhere. I, I thought that Mitt Romney was the most qualified. But what Donald Trump did that I'm perhaps more disgusted by is he put Mitt Romney in a position where, um, you know, Mitt, Mitt is, is, he has his faults. And someone told me on Twitter yesterday, oh, you, you never or you rarely uh, talk about his faults. And I'm like, doesn't have many, you dunce. So, but what I will say um, is is that for, for all of his faults, you know, he, he he's probably too nice in a sense. Um, he was put in a position now where he had to kind of cozy up to Donald Trump. He's made common sense about uh, best wishes with the new administration, which I understand is something you kind of have to do because you don't want to be like, oh, screw the next administration. I hope they fail. Um, but Mitt Romney has, has now effectively overturned his criticisms of Donald Trump to say, you know, I'm kind of hoping for the best. I'm praying for the best um, and all those things. A very rough position for him to be in, especially since his relevance this year was contingent on the fact that he was a vocal opponent of Donald Trump. And it carried weight because he's the former Republican nominee, even though he lost, he still has carried influence within the Republican Party since 2012. And it's just interesting the shift that happened. And, uh, you know, I, I guess it's nice that Trump at least wined him and dined him before he, you know, did the things the vile things that he did to Mitt Romney. Um, but what I will say is that I, I think he should have been Secretary of State. So so we'll see. I, I'm impressed by um, Elaine Chow, the Department of Transportation pick. She uh, has been described by publications such as Slate as open-minded in terms of in infrastructure and mass transit. And, uh, and, and I think she'll actually have an interesting relationship with urban areas because the this is a caveat that probably no one cares about but the obama administration has been pulling back on infrastructure spending and has been uh promoting more of of these tiger programs which is essentially uh grants to state and local governments for them to come up with uh innovative ways to solve infrastructure or transportation problems so i i think she'll actually uh i i don't think she will return infrastructure spending to the same point uh as Republicans or, or even any really any previous administration has. Uh, but so the Department of Transportation will be interesting. Ben Carson being uh, the HUD secretary is um, Jesus, the weirdest thing that I've ever heard. Uh, the weirdest idea. Um, I, I believe that maybe he will institute a policy of a, a pyramid of grain for everybody. Um, and if you don't know what that is, you're out of touch. And, uh, you know, the, the, there's, there's, so there's been some interesting picks. I, I think also the Justice Department pick was interesting and, and just all the, obviously we still have a lot to fill in. I think one of, one of the best places, by the way, if you're looking um, for uh, kind of a comprehensive list of, uh, of where things are, what the, uh, what the appointments are, there is a list on the New York Times, which there's not like an easy link to it, but it does give kind of, um, up to the minute details on on his picks for um, for the cabinet. So you have right now you you have a lot of them. You have a lot of them done. You have so Rex Tillerson at state. Rick Perry is an interesting one for energy. You know who who knew that that a a, a newfound career in dancing would lead to a cabinet position? Look at him making the right moves. Um, Linda McMahon, the uh, the wrestling magnate, is now going to be the head of the Small Business Administration. Tom Price, who, by the way, Tom Price looks just like, uh, oh God, what what's his name? Uh, oh, Project Run with Tim Gunn. Tom Price looks just like Tim Gunn. There's no denying that. Uh, so he will head Health and Human Services, uh, which will be an interesting future for Obamacare. 
Betsy DeVos with education. I don't like her. I don't like her education stances, even though she likes vouchers. Um, she's not really been a friend of public education, but what do I know? So the, the, these are all interesting choices. And I think that the next couple of months leading up to the inauguration and even seeing if, if these people get confirmed is going to, of course, um, just receive so much more media attention. And Lord, if 2016 has taught us anything, it's that we love media and the stories that they have. Uh, anyway, so so let's talk real quick. This isn't going to be too long of an episode. Now that I've shared with you my disgust for Donald Trump, I want to share with you something that I'm doing um, in 2016 because I, I, I think that, or I'm sorry, 2017, because that is the year we're entering into. One thing that, uh, that, that I'm passionate about, one of the things that I think is so important is kind of a, a constant self-assessment. Um, but also kind of a, a constant state of self-improvement. So I just published an article on my blog, uh, stephenperkins.me. Um, it'll be the first slide image up there if you just go to that homepage. And it, it, it details what I'm working on in 2017, uh, which is 12 different self-experiments. But before I do that, I want to kind of um, provide a primer for this by saying, um, so the beginning of the new year casts a lot of New, year, new Year's resolutions. That's that's what people do, right? That's the, that's the thing that's in vogue to do is to come up with a New Year resolution. How are you going to better yourself next year? Whether you want to lose weight or whether you want to... Uh, uh, I don't know, stop swearing. Is that what people do? That's ridiculous. Uh, you know, maybe you want to uh, to learn a new skill or, or change jobs or something. Really interesting study from the University of Scranton, which is, whoop, whoop, shout out the office, um, no relation, but an October 2016 study by the University of Scranton found that 45% of Americans usually make New Year's resolutions. Of those who do make resolutions, only 8% actually achieve the goals that they set out, with 49% experiencing, quote, infrequent success. So those are big numbers, especially when you look at the fact um, that Americans on average every year spend so much money investing in personal development resources, whether it's a life coach or a personal trainer or a dietitian or a therapist or um, self-help books, um, journals specifically created for like self-development. Um, there, there, there are all these different resources that people spend billions of dollars on every year. But what's also interesting is that given the amount of resources that we spend our time and money on, uh, the, those numbers of success, of success, only 8% truly achieving the resolutions they set out, 49% kind of, sort of experiencing some success. And I think it's also interesting because an underlying theme within American culture is this attitude of do it yourself, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, kind of this get or done attitude. However, in contrast with that, we experience on an individual level a number of personal shortcomings. And it, it seems like that number, and I don't have the the the, uh, the quantitative data to back this up, but it seems like that number has risen uh, certainly since, uh, let's say the, the 1950s, somewhere in the middle of the, uh, of the 20th century. That number has risen. I feel like more people um, are, are falling short in those areas. So in my view, the reason why we have such a hard time making, sticking with, and actually achieving our goals is because of a couple of reasons. I think, first of all, New Year's resolutions and the mentality behind it is so uh, flawed. And it's this idea that for some reason, um, a new year, a new calendar year is an effective catalyst for this change within you. It's almost as if people think that there will actually be a physiological change within them at the beginning of the new year. Um, but but that's not the case. I mean, there's there's there there's no data. There's also just it, it's just a complete misnomer to think that the beginning of a new year 
is is the only effective catalyst for new you. And a lot of people say new year, new me. I, I dislike those people. Um, I think another part of this is we rarely actually keep track of our goals, at least not past the first couple of weeks or the first month or so. Um, and also when we do try to keep track of our goals, it's not in a very structured way. And I get some people, some people are more organized and some people are more kind of fly by the whim uh, and, and they want to do things without the structure. But I think in terms of goals um, and processing those and achieving those, it's really important to have a structure for that um, and to keep track of it in a very quantifiable way. Uh, and I'll talk about that a little, uh, a little more um, in a bit. I think another thing is we miss possibly the biggest indicator of success in achieving goals, and that's accountability. Accountability is, is a huge thing that a lot of people don't put in place whenever they have these new goals because they think, again, maybe an underlying theme of our culture, we can do it on our own. Uh, but the, the statistics overwhelmingly show that if you have an accountability partner or even multiple people, a group of people who are uh, who who have these maybe not the same goal, but they have this common overall goal of sticking to these certain objectives, you'll actually be a lot more successful exponentially, uh, more successful. So I usually, you know, because you have that conversation with friends at the end of the year about what are your resolutions or what are your 2016 or what are your resolutions for the next year? I, 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 I never do like those conversations because I, I find that they're so vague. Um, and also, again, like I said, I don't think a new year is an effective catalyst for a change within your life. You really have to, um, you really have to have something more to it than that. So I don't set like a new year's resolution, or at least I don't anymore like this year, uh, I set some goals, but I didn't set a resolution per se and say that I want it done by a certain time. This year's actually been interesting. So my, my year was um, was to read more, to learn more about myself, kind of raise that EQ, that emotional intelligence and self-awareness, um, and then also get healthier. And, and I know that that's kind of a vague thing, but I'll share a little bit about that. Um, and but so with with a series of like regular check ins, some um, really cognizant reflections and, and also people who held me accountable, uh, I, I was able to achieve those things. And, and so I, I, you know, reading more, it's not like I read a new book every month, but I certainly um, have read more than I did the year before. Um, learn more about myself. That's just the nature of the company that I work with for leadership development. We do um, a, a lot of self-awareness and kind of personality assessment. So I learned a lot through that and to get healthier. Um, I drastically changed up my diet um, and I've been exercising more. So, so those things have been, uh, has, have been achieved, but they also weren't concrete goals. They weren't like lose this amount of weight by this amount of time or start this um, or, or learn about this facet by this certain amount of time. So they were, they were a lot rougher. So this next year, 2017, I have this kind of bigger goal that I am honestly a, a little nervous to even talk about or a little nervous to even put out there or it's already up on my blog, right? So um, so some background for this. One of my favorite authors is a guy by the name of Tim Ferriss. And Tim Ferriss um, is an author, a podcaster, an entrepreneur, an investor. He's been, he's in Silicon Valley. He's in that, that culture. Um, and, and that culture is an interesting one. It's certainly like they live in a bubble from the rest of America, but a lot of it is, is it's a culture of, of high challenge, high stress, but also a high level of innovation. They are obsessed in Silicon Valley and just kind of the tech um, world and the world of tech entrepreneurs. There's a lot of, I think, there's a lot of fake aspects to that culture, but there's also a lot of, I think, really effective takeaways from the Silicon Valley tech culture. But but Tim Ferriss is in this culture, and he's written a number of best-selling books. One of them is The 4-Hour Body, where he teaches you how to transform your body. Um, also, 4-Hour Work Week, which is basically how to have a passive income and how to work, you know, reduce the amount of hours you work a week. He also has a podcast called The Tim Ferriss Show, in which he interviews and deconstructs, and this is the really interesting thing, he deconstructs top performers in various industries. So he's done interviews with people like Casey Neistat, Peter Thiel, 
uh, one of my favorites, Glenn Beck. He did a really great interview with Glenn Beck. Tony Robbins, like some really notable, high-performing people. And his whole thing of his whole thing is, what are the habits and what are the actions that they do that make them exceptional? Uh, that make them them exceptional um, in in their industries and in their careers and in their jobs. Um, another thing that he's known for is body hacking. And that is essentially the use of one's own body as a laboratory for self experiments. It's fascinating because when you look at the way that most people in America, um, deal with things that they don't like either with their health or in their life or whatever, usually, um, if it's the health, right, you go to your doctor and you're like, okay, what's a surgery I could do? What's a medication I can take? Or if it's something more mental, you go to a therapist. Um, if it's something that you don't like in your life, sometimes you actually just learn to live with it and and, and deal with it. Um, but so Tim Ferriss is kind of the opposite idea of, okay, what are some ways that I can hack my body um, to not only become a top performer, but also to fix, in a sense, some of these things that I may not uh, enjoy about my current state. And so that idea has always inspired me. His self-experimentations are always, not always, but usually they're quite specific. He does a ton of research on um, on like the, the, the science behind what he's about to do. Uh, I'm not scientifically gifted, if that's what you want to call it. Um, but, but nonetheless, these have kind of inspired me and I wanted to find a way to engage in these types of self, in these types of self experiments in a more mild way. In other words, I I don't want to get into like, he was doing this one thing, um, where I think it's called, it's kind of like, um, ketonics or something like that, where essentially you're drawing blood from yourself to measure um, the levels in your body. Um, I, I don't like being pricked on the fingers, so I'm probably not ever going to do that, but like that's the level of he would get into. But I'm interested in more of the mild things and just the general overall concept of self-experiments. So here's the big idea, and it's a crazy idea. I understand this. It's a crazy idea, and, um, and it's gonna be tough as hell. I understand that. But in 2017, um, I have 12 months and 12 months is like, it's a lot of time. You're talking about 365 days, give or take a couple of days. Um, you have 12 months to really do whatever you want and, and you can, you can form a new habit or you can just try something that you've never tried before. So that's what I want to do for 12 months next year. I want to try 12 different experiments. And the thing is, I, I want to share my experience um, with these experiments on my blog, um, in this podcast, uh, to where essentially at the end of the year, after 52 weeks, I will have 52 reflections. Um, and I, I think that's going to be an interesting thing. So before a new month, I'm going to post an article about why I chose the month's respective goal, how I plan on executing it, how I plan on, on recording the results. Um, during the month, I'm going to do a weekly check-in um, of how things are going. And then the end of the month, I'm going to post a reflection about that experience, but also um, kind of talk about the next month's goals. So without further ado, here are the experiments that I'm wanting to perform um, next year. And some of these are with the express purpose of forming a new habit. So some of these I actually want to be able to carry on consistently throughout the year. And some of these, uh, which I'll, I'll denote which one they are, but some of these are just out of interest. I just kind of want to see what it's like to do these different things. So this is them in order, and then I'll tell you the intention. And again, you can find this on my blog, stephenperkins.me. Um, so the, the order. So the, in the first month, I want to start um, a practice that actually a lot of top performers do, and that is a five-minute morning journal. Um, and, and this sounds kind of kind of odd to people who aren't into journaling. Um, I, I actually use, like, I use paper probably more than than most people my age perhaps I, I love taking a, like physical notes um, and writing reflections and I even keep a schedule on paper uh, in addition to my um, in addition to my calendar app and so the idea behind this five minute journal is and I haven't decided on the format yet because I still have some time but essentially every day spend five minutes reflecting um, about 
or, or not even just reflecting, but kind of writing down some of the goals for the day. Um, some of the things some people do, what they're thankful for that day, uh, what the goal is, what the schedule looks like. And then another cool thing is like, what are some things, one to three things that I can do today to make today exceptional? And I think that's a really great mindset to start out your day with. And so I'm doing that in order to form a habit. I, I want to, throughout the rest of the year, after January, after I do this 30-day experiment, I want to be able to actually do that every single morning. Um, and then the second one I want to do is I want to work on using my pioneer voice. Uh, if you're not familiar with that language, it's from a concept. It's actually from a book. It's called Five Voices. And if you don't, if you don't know, I actually link to it on my blog as well as a video. But uh, it's this book called Five Voices: How to uh, Communicate Effectively with Everyone Else. And it's this idea that everyone, everyone has a natural voice. My natural voice is a creative, and so that doesn't necessarily mean, like in the traditional sense of, oh, I'm I, I'm very creative with art or. Or, or I'm a, I'm a good writer or things like that. Um, but it, it's kind of this idea of thinking about the what if and kind of future focus. And so I want to focus um, in the second month of the year on my pioneer voice, which is very similar to a creative voice, but it's actually one that through assessment, I found that it's harder for me to access because I, I try to be an idealist uh, or I'm sorry, I try to be a realist with a lot of the things I do. And a pioneer has a more idealistic voice. And it's kind of this idea of, of why can't we achieve this? You know, t tell me, tell me why I can't achieve this. And even when they hear barriers, um, and, and this is kind of a negative aspect of the pioneer voice, but even when they hear barriers, they're like, nah, forget about it. I mean, it's, it's possible we can do it. Uh, but the thing about pioneer voice is that they're also very uh, effective at strategic thinking um, and thinking in the future, but thinking about the future in the context of what are the, th what are the steps that I actually have to, to take to get uh, to that to that kind of big ambiguous goal and so it's kind of cool in that respect I want to work on act on accessing that and that's habit forming so the idea is that once I work for 30 days on um, on accessing that voice I'll actually be able to better access it throughout the year and throughout the rest of my life the third one is one that I, I think is going to be the first big challenge that I have of the year because it's daily meditation um, and daily meditation can be anything from just like sitting there in silence. There are some apps that'll help you with daily meditation. Um, some, for some people, it's prayer. There's a lot of faiths that use meditation um, as a time for prayer and a time for connection with God. Um, and so I want to use it for a couple of reasons. First of all, March 1st is the beginning of Lent. And I think it'd be cool to do kind of this meditation for 30-day challenge leading up to Easter um, in which, you know, I, I could use it as a time of prayer and also a time of reflection. Um, again, this would be like in the morning. Uh, so this is more of an interest. I don't know if I want to form a habit of meditating daily because, it, and I'll tell you why, and this, this is going to sound insane and it's probably something I should work on. So most people, when they start out, their whole idea is like, okay, start out and meditate for five minutes a day, then go to 10 minutes, 15, 20. Th there are some people who meditate for an hour a day, and I don't know how they do it because my mind, my mind will not let me sit still for an hour. I think five minutes, I think starting out with five minutes is going to be tough. Um, but I heard someone say it this way, that uh, their goal of meditation is, it was actually Rain Wilson who played Dwight on The Office, but now runs soulpancake.com. Uh, he is of the Baha'i religion, Baha'i I think is how you pronounce it. Um, so a deeply spiritual religion where they where they do a lot of meditation. Um, and, and he said, you know, my, my purpose with meditation is not to like tune out for the entire time. Really what I'm looking for is if I can just, have a clear head for like four minutes, that's good with me. And, and for me, that's effective meditation. So I want to try that and kind of see how far uh, along with that I go. The other thing is just, just crazy for a millennial uh, to have a goal of, but this is another thing that I want to get with habit formation, is read every day from a, from a physically printed book which is crazy because, and, and really I, I started thinking, or I, I've always had this thought in the back of my mind, like I don't read enough. I, I've been reading more this year um, 
and actually finishing a book for me is quite challenging because I like to bounce back and forth between books. I did finish like three books this year, which I'm really proud of. But reading from an actual book is a lot different for me because I read on the computer screen every day, as 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 I think all of us do, read from a computer screen every single day. Um, the number that I saw is we at least read an hour a day from digital devices, although I think that that number is probably outdated. It's probably closer to like, like maybe five hours a day because you think of all the, you're reading news, you're reading social media, you're reading um, reports for, or anything that you're doing for work, like you're reading all this stuff online. But there is a difference actually in retention between online reading and physical book reading, as well as the fact that more information is in a book. We have so much information on the internet, but within books are actually more in-depth information, whereas the internet uh, puts an emphasis on kind of concise summarization of ideas. And so the the goal here is to read read every day from a physically printed book. Um, and if you want to actually see, I have a link on my website, Stephen Perkins sent me on this blog post um, to my Amazon wish list of just books. And I currently have, I think I have like 72 books on here. Um, and I've just, I've been adding a lot recently. Um, and they're on everything from, one of them is about kind of interesting. One of is is about church leadership and actually how it uh, ties back to to business leadership or any type of leadership. Another, Power of Introverts, a lot of city planning books, some um, political theory books, social anthropology books, like all sorts of all sorts of different books. Um, so I, I, I'm not saying that I, I want to read all 72 next year, but I certainly want to form this habit of just reading from a physically printed book each day. And I don't know yet whether that's going to be like an hour or 30 minutes or, or what that goal is going to be like. Um, I'll have to come up with that. The fifth goal that I have out of the 12 or the fifth experiment that I want to do is um, is waking up earlier slash becoming more effective in the morning. Uh, when I wake up in the morning, like this morning especially, I, I, I get eight hours of sleep usually. I'm actually really good about going to bed at a time where I can get a full eight hours of sleep. I have a, a sleep tracking application that helps wake me up um, when I am in a not in REM cycle, which is like the deep sleep that that is really good and what everybody wants. So so it wakes me up when I'm when I'm getting out of that cycle. Um, so it gets pretty close to the to the time that I want to wake up. But what I notice is that when I wake up in the morning, uh, I I just lay there for like 30 to 45 minutes and I get on social media, which is probably not good. I get uh, I, I check my email. I read articles. Um, and I don't actually get up and I don't get active first thing in the morning. So I want to try this very intentional experiment in being more effective in the morning. And actually, I think a lot of things can fall under this, whether that is, um, doing these meditations or the journaling in the morning, or maybe that's when I read is in the morning. Um, maybe that's when I get some, some work done. Um, but I, I want to try to, um, I want to try to kind of be more effective with my mornings, not necessarily become a morning person because I don't like morning people. They're way too cheery in the morning, uh, which sounds sounds terrible, like more power to you if you could be cheery in the morning. It's not me. I just want to be more effective in the morning. Um, the sixth one is one. Uh, so, so the last one is habit formation. So I, I want to make that into a habit. The sixth one is out of interest. And it's one that's, uh, that if you knew me, you'd laugh, uh, but it's, it's strength training. Um, and I don't mean like, I, I'm not trying to become a bodybuilder. Uh, I, I don't want to, um, I've had a protein shake before and they're, they're, they're not very enjoyable. Um, but I, I do think I'm fascinated by the world of strength training because from what I what I've seen and from the people who I know who do it, there are so many different methods and techniques um, that go along with that environment. Um, and it, it's also, I think, just kind of um, it's an uncomfortable environment for people to start in this idea of of getting into strength training. Um, I know like I was just at the gym last night. I was running because that's an easier thing for me to do. Uh, but you, you look over at the weight section, you're like, these people are advanced. I, you know, I, I think anyone gets this idea when they first start working out of like, I, I'm not on these other people's level. Are they judging me? Blah, blah, blah. Um, the overall goal of these 
monthly experiments is to get outside of a comfort zone and uh, a comfort zone. And so I think strength training is going to be um, kind of a cool thing to do. And who knows, I, I may like it and it might actually turn into a new hobby or a new habit. Um, but as of right now, I put it in the interest category. Uh, so we'll be doing that the sixth month. Um, so the seventh one is something that I think will come at a really good time because um, around around July um, is where I'm going to kind of be in a full time job, um, and I'll be uh, I'll, I will finally have like like an adult income and stuff. And so if, if, if any of you have ever listened to like Dave Ramsey or, or you know that world of personal budgeting, Dave Ramsey has really great information. I, I think just for anyone getting out of debt, um, but also young people he has really great information for young people who are starting out their financial financial journey. Um, he rules out or he, he warns a lot about getting into debt and kind of the dangers of that. Or if you're already in debt, how to get out of it. Um, especially with a limited in income as you have in your first job. So for the seventh month, I want to track my finances tediously. And I think I'm going to use the Mint app to do that. If you don't know about the Mint app, it essentially links to all your bank accounts and it'll categorize each and every transaction that you do. So it'll categorize it as income. And then all of your expenses, it'll say at the end of the month, you spend this much on groceries, this much on clothing, this much on uh, gas or you know things like that rent stuff like that so i think uh, i think july is going to be a really good opportunity to track those finances but then the more important part of that is creating a plan for maximizing a budget and kind of saying where can i where can i improve on that and where can i get the most out of that so that's going to be more in terms of habit formation ideally that's something that that um that an ideal adult does every month. I, I think people don't do that. And I may even fall short after the month of July. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I think it's something I want to explore because there's a lot of quantitative data that you can pull from a monthly audit of finances. And I'm really interested in doing that. The eighth one is the eighth one is probably going to be the hardest one um, that I can imagine. And I really, I really hesitated um, it was really strategic with the placement of this one and the timing of this one. But it's something I'm interested in because I know a lot of people who do have this lifestyle and uh, and they don't seem to hate themselves entirely. Like there's things they miss, but they don't hate themselves entirely. And that is, uh, <laughs> I, I laugh as I say it because it's ridiculous, but vegetarian. Uh, for the month of August, I want to try a vegetarian diet. Um, and this is going to be so hard because I, uh, like, I think like most Americans, my lifestyle is heavily, it heavily emphasized meat consumption, right? Um, so I think going vegetarian for a month is going to be very challenging. I will probably hate myself. Um, I will probably get hangry at times that's uh, ang anger brought on by hunger because i feel like you don't get as full on a vegetarian diet um but nonetheless we'll we'll see how emaciated i am at the end of the month um anyways yeah vegetarian diet is gonna be tough and then in september is going to be also a tougher one not because this sounds bad but i say this is going to be tough um but it, it's a month of no alcohol consumption um and this is another interesting thing because it's I I have maybe um, I have maybe two to three drinks a week and there, and usually it's just like one a night, um, uh, not one a night, but like if 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 I'm drinking one night, I have one drink a night and it's not particularly that strong, um, but nonetheless the idea of cutting out alcohol completely is a really interesting one. And again, a lot of quantitative data, I think that I can associate with this because um, there's all these studies about the effect of your health when you reduce drinking, but especially when you cut it out completely. There's also health benefits to drinking. I, I like to drink red wine and that has heart benefits. So obviously excess of, of red wine or any type of, or anything really, any substance, any food, anything um, is not good. But I, I think, um, I think reducing that for just a month and seeing how that goes 
will be an interesting experiment. All right, the last three, we're almost done. Um, in the month of October, I want to write a new article or blog entry every day. So for the purpose of these monthly experiments, I'm going to be doing a weekly blog on my on my website, stephenperkins.me, um, kind of recapping how that week was, as well as an article at the end of the month. Um, but in the month of October, I want to actually do uh, a new article or a new blog every day. And this could be either on my blog or on Outset. Um, or on my Medium page. Um, nonetheless, it's just kind of this idea of forcing me to write something every day and quite literally not going to bed until I've, I've written and published an article. Um, and I, I don't even really care if people see it or if they enjoy it as long as it's something I'm satisfied with. It's that idea of habit formation, getting into the habit of maybe not writing something complete every day, but for the purpose of this month, writing an article every day um, and getting in the habit of just writing every day, I think is important. And, and I do that for the most part, um, but not so much for my own leisure, more for work purposes. And so I wanna change it up a little bit. All right, the last two. Um, in the month of November, just because it's gonna be fall and I love the fall uh, and I love getting outside in the fall. So for the month of November, I wanna take a new photo every day and then edit that new photo every day um, and and post it up. This will probably happen on, on Instagram, but I'll also be posting on my blog the, uh, the pictures I took that week. So this idea is just kind of practice makes perfect. And, uh, and I have a nice camera and I like photography, but um, I don't often take the time to take pictures with, with things every day. Um, so I want to take a picture of something that, that, uh, that will remind me down the road of kind of where I was and what I was doing that day. I watched a TED talk yesterday, actually, of someone talking about different 30-day challenges that they tried. And this guy did take pictures every day. And he says, I look back on those pictures. I know, um, I, I, I know, um, I, I know where I was. I know what I was doing um, every day. And so the last, and so that'll be just more of an interest, not so much habit forming. The last one for December of 2017 is going to be, is going to be commit an act of service every day. And I'm not quite sure yet what that's going to mean. But when I originally wrote this goal, I quite literally just uh, wrote down um, donate to charity every day. Uh, like my idea was if I donate $5 every weekday, um, so 20 days, um, if I donate $5 every weekday, um, then that's like 100 bucks. That's really doable. Um, and it's also, it's kind of the, the month that you're supposed to be a little more generous. And so, and, and there's also just these psychological effects of knowing that you've provided an act of service. So, but I, I'm not just doing donating to charity every day because I, I think that's kind of weak or, or the easy way uh, to, to do that goal. So instead, I, I changed up the wording to commit an act of service every day. Um, and again, not quite sure what exactly that's going to look like. But um, as I said, for, for that and all of these things, I will be posting on my blog um, at the end of every month, projecting or, or talking, giving some background about the next month's goal. Um, and, uh, and it's going to be like, it's going to be challenging. I'm really, uh, I'm aware of the fact that these are not the easiest. Some of them are, are I think will be pretty easy, like a, a five minute journal in the morning, I think will be pretty easy. Um, but some of these will also be very hard, like uh, like like diet changes or um, committing an act of service, like coming up with ideas for that. So I know they're going to be tough. That's why I distributed uh, them the way they are. The distribution of these goals are, are is very deliberate. Um, I specifically projected what my next year looks like and what happens in each of these months and wh whether it was um, whether it was attainable for me to do these things. And so, but the overall point is to get outside my comfort zone, to encourage others who may be interested in making some changes or trying new things just for the hell of it, or even creating new um, lifestyle habits. Uh, because I really do think if I could do these things, anyone can do any goal that they have. Um, the biggest challenge is gonna be consistency and accountability. Um, so I, I think that'll be contingent on the weekly check-ins on my blog. Um, just putting it out there publicly that you're doing this and then um, and then having to update that every day or every week 
um, in some cases every day, but every week is kind of a, a big, like in my mind, it'll be okay. People are, even if no one reads it in my mind, it'll be like, okay, people are looking for this update this week. So I have to actually carry through with these goals. So here's my, um, here's my call to action for you. If this sounds interesting to you, or if, if you have some things of your own that you want to work on next year, whether that is as insane as 12 different experiments every month, or whether it's something like just a year long goal, maybe you want to get more fit or lose weight or stop cursing so much again, not sure why, uh, but maybe you have some goals that, that you want to achieve next year. Um, send me a message. The best way is on Facebook or Twitter, or you can email me on my website, send me a message and, and let's get in touch. And, uh, and we can, again, I think the biggest thing is the accountability. So if you need someone to help you with that, um, I'm certainly willing to be there. Maybe we could start a group. I don't really know how this is going to play out. I know on my end, like I, I have every intention of keeping these goals. That's why I set them. I'm not sure what um, what this will turn into. Um, you know, I, and, and I think what's exciting is that just showing that it kind of it's possible, um, and 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 just that it's possible, and, and that anyone can do it, and that. Um, Although these things are challenging, there's certainly ways to overcome them. So uh, if you're if you're interested in the specifics of what I'm talking about here, just go to stephenperkins.me. It's the first slide there. Uh, the blog article is called My 2017 One Year 12 Self-Experiments 52 Personal Reflections. I'm very excited for that. Well, guys, thanks so much for uh, tuning into the, to this podcast. I know it's been a while, but I, I really appreciate um, you coming back after so long. It's a lot of things have happened this year. And perhaps uh, next week or the week after that, I will do um, a bigger reflection of kind of like the year in review and kind of give some thoughts about that. But nonetheless, in the meantime, follow me on the social media, Stephen underscore Perkins, Facebook.com slash Stephen Perkins, Stephen Perkins.me. You can find myself on OutsetMagazine.com along with many other wonderful, 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 um, huge, I don't know, I'm using Trump adjectives now, really great uh, young conservatives and libertarians. Um, their writing is there as well. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until next week, take care. Oh,